Did anyone happen to uh, deal with this this year as you were redecorating? I mean, you had everything at the end of the year last year all perfectly all coiled up and put into storage. And then someone in the family who won't fess up, I mind you, went there and messed it all up. And now you're stuck dealing with this tangled up mess. And then when you finally get one of the strands untangled and you go to plug it in, you find out that only half of them are working and you just want to scream. And you're like, I literally just bought these last year. And, and some of you I know are thinking under your breath, well, you should have won LED. Don't even start with me because you know that this happens to the LEDs as well. And, and, you know, you just start to untangle these and you're frustrated and you're overwhelmed by it. And you just are just like, forget it. This is exhausting. I'm just going to go to the store and buy a new one. Isn't it interesting how frustrating redecorating can be? But then this year, as I was redecorating and untangling all this mess, it started to make me think about how sometimes this can be the image of my own life. Of how sometimes how, no matter how hard I try to get better at something, I still sometimes can just feel like this tangled mess. Are there any other tangled up messes out there watching? You know, maybe you feel like you're, you just are constantly trying to untangle something in a work situation or, or you're constantly untangling this temptation that you keep leaning into and falling into again. Or, or maybe you're untangling this relational tension where no matter what, there's always seems to be a tension on the horizon there. Or, or maybe it's a financial situation where you keep putting yourself into this financial situation over and over again and it's just flat out exhausting. And then right when you feel like you've got some light at the end of the tunnel, you plug it in and it doesn't even work. And you're just like, you know what? The heck with this. Just forget it. Like, I can't do this. And it just feels like you're a straight up mess. Redecorating our lives can feel so frustrating. Like, what if there was a better way? And the good news that I have for us today is that there is a better way. There is a better way. But what are we talking about? Redecorating with what? Are we talking about lights? Are we talking about ornaments? No, 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 we're, we're talking about a specific thing that all of us have access to. We're talking about being redecorated by fruit, but not just any kind of fruit. We're talking about a fruit that is backed by the creator of the living God that we read about in the letter of Galatians written by a man named Paul. He talks about it, he calls it the fruit of the spirit. And he says that the fruit of the spirit, what is it? He says that it's love. He says that it's joy. He says that it's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against all such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. You see, every single day we have a choice to either live by our nature and the works of our flesh or we have the ability to tap into something super powerful, and that is the power of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we see the fruit of the Spirit demonstrated. We see the fruit of the Spirit demonstrated in the life of the Christmas story. Now, for some of you, uh, you've heard the Christmas story many, many different times, and you know all the different details about it. For others of you, you know enough of the Christmas story just to kind of get you by. And so what I want to do is just take a few moments and give a 30,000-foot view of the Christmas story through the lens of the fruit of the Spirit. So it was over 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, uh, anticipation was hovering over the land of Israel. 
because there was this anticipation, there was the rumors, there was these, these prophecies that seemed to that, that at, at this point in time of history that they were going to be fulfilled, that a coming Messiah, a chosen one to be the savior of the world would come. And so the scripture tells us how an angel came to a teenage girl named Mary who uh, had her own plans, but her plans were interrupted by the angel saying that you are going to be pregnant as a virgin and you are going to give birth to the son of God. Now I got to imagine Mary and her five-year plan wasn't thinking supernatural pregnancy by any means. And so what did she do? She laid down her right and, and, and produced the fruit of gentleness, even though it wasn't her way, her plan, but she submitted to the way and the plans of the Lord. So then Mary... She's got to let her fiance know about this news that she's pregnant. She's got to let Joseph know, hey, Joseph, uh, I'm pregnant. I mean, imagine this conversation. What do you mean you're pregnant? I know we haven't yet. You know what I mean? But so what do you mean? Who is he? There isn't another he, she, she told him. I've been given pregnancy. I have a supernatural pregnancy by God. And you got to imagine Joseph's thinking like, are you, are you kidding me? But yet, even in the midst of this, and, and God speaking to Joseph, he still maintained the spirit and the fruit of goodness towards Mary, demonstrating that by keeping the engagement and following through with the plan. And so then, as time went on, during this, around the same time period, this is that the angels came to shepherds who were watching their flock by night. And these angels, what did they do? They represented the spirit and the fruit of peace to the world, where they could have given the spirit of chaos and war. Because at some point in every angel's life, they had to decide, were they going to give allegiance to God or to the angels? Because remember, Satan was a fallen angel. And then you think of the shepherds. The shepherds exercised this fruit of joy coming out of their lives where they could have been overwhelmed by the fear of their circumstances. But instead, they leaned in to the joy of the Lord and then went and worshiped Jesus. And so after Jesus was born in the manger, we're told because of Levitical law and, and custom that Mary and Joseph and the baby went to Jerusalem, went to the temple for a ceremonial purification. And during this purification, when they got to the temple, they met, they met a man named Simeon. And Simeon, what did he do? Simeon, uh, in his patience, he had great patience and he exemplified this fruit of the spirit of patience because God told him and came to him and told him that before he would die, that he would see the savior of the world with his own eyes. And so he demonstrated this fruit of patience. We don't know how long he waited, but I got to imagine uh, it was a lot longer than he wanted to because I know last time I checked, God's timing seems to never be my timing. And then uh, right after this, we see this beautiful um, fruit of self-control by a woman named Anna, who was a prophetess. And she showed the fruit of self-control by modeling praying and fasting daily. She also modeled the self-control of her being a widow for 85 plus years. And all you singles, whether you're young or old, you know how difficult that can be to maintain that self-control of your purity and not compromising and not settling. And then we see the fruit of kindness not being demonstrated by one of the rulers, by one of the rulers in the area named Herod, who was so overwhelmed and, and got so crooked because he was so, he had such an appetite for power. It possessed him to the point that he was so threatened by this newborn King Jesus that he made a decree that any boy that was two years or younger in that region would be killed. One of the most horrific things that we see in the pages of history. 
And so then lastly, we see the wise men who showed off the fruit of faithfulness. They showed off this fruit of faithfulness because uh, they were supposed to go back to Herod and let Herod know where baby Jesus was. But they didn't bow down to an earthly king. They bowed down to a heavenly, eternal king and showed the reliability and dependability in their faithfulness. So now we don't know for sure. And the scripture doesn't give all the details. But I got to imagine that, you know, you think about all the characters in the story, maybe besides the angels, all dealt with this mess and dealt with the wrestling and the entanglement of the situation that they were facing. At some point, feeling like they wanted to give up. They, they like, well, this is crazy. This seems ridiculous. Like the circumstances that they were facing. It wasn't just like so easily to, to just decorate this type of fruit to the world. But there was something behind most of the characters that push them to desire and want this fruit and display this fruit in their life. Now, some of you might be saying, okay, well, well Travis, this is, this is the Christmas story. I mean, this is, this is an event that took place over 2,000 years ago. I mean, this is so disconnected from my life. Like, this is like, honestly, like, I feel like this is a fairy tale. And if that's you, you have to understand something that's so true that these are real characters on the pages of history that just cannot be erased. They're documented historical figures. And I know it might seem disconnected, but all these characters are more like you and me than we give them credit. They dealt with the same wrestling and the same tangling and the same mess that we all deal with. It was just a different time, a different era with the same straight up tangled up mess. Thank you. 
of me that's broken the memory stay with me my idol is status my pattern is stagnant i trip to a struggle with empathy it's an act for the ages I love that lyric. I don't like what I see. And some of you, as you watch that video, that's you because you saw yourself in some of those scenes and you don't like what you see. You hate what you see. You don't like what you see when you look in the mirror or you don't like what you see of who you've become. And no one knows it but you. And the thoughts that have been coming into your mind are just very, very dark and scary. Or for others of you, you've leaned into a substance to try to numb the guilt that you feel of something that has happened in the past that seems unforgivable by something that you did or someone did for you. And you hate what you see. Or for others of you, you're so consumed by success or by feeling like you have to provide that you become a workaholic. And it goes under the radar because of the culture that we live in is that you're just a hard worker. But it doesn't go under the radar for those that love you the most and that are craving your appetite and you hate what you see and the hesitation that you have and you just, you don't want this. You want this. You want your life to be redecorated by the fruit of this, but you're still just stuck in this and you hate it. But that is why there's the Christmas story. That's why the Christmas story exists because it doesn't have to end this way. It doesn't have to just be like this because there's not just eight fruit of the spirit. There's one more. There's one more fruit of the spirit that is the fruit that, that, that literally encompasses all of the different fruit. And it's this fruit, the fruit of love that Paul talks about. And without the fruit of love, None of these can actually be decorated or displayed in the way that they should be. In fact, when Paul wrote this in Galatians, he could have just put love, period, and then the rest of them. Because this, it it takes this to be able to decorate the rest of these in our lives. And in the Christmas story, the character that represents love, you guessed it, is Jesus who decorated and displayed this in the most ultimate way. I mean, think about it for a moment. The king of the universe literally came down and left his throne to come and fix and clean up our mess. 
I mean, this is a complete game changer. How do we even wrap our minds around such a love that would leave his throne to help and get into our mess and untangle it? Paul tries to put some words to what this kind of love is and what was demonstrated. He tells us this in Philippians chapter two, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. I mean, you think about God looked way more at our interest than his own interest. And then he continues, he says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. It can be yours in Christ Jesus alone, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But it says, but emptied himself. And that phrase in the Greek language, there, there is no other phrase that can compare or, or is even parallel to such a thought in that language. It's such a deep thought that he emptied himself. He lowered himself. He poured out himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. It says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He emptied himself. He lowered himself. He left his throne to fix our mess. Because the opposite of all of this fruit is the fruit of sin. The opposite of all of this fruit is the fruit of sin. And the wages of one sin of one mess up, of one error, the scripture tells us equals death, equals separation and darkness from God forever. And that's a problem. But that's why there's Christmas. And that's why Jesus came. Because someone had to pay for the mess. Someone had to pay the penalty for the mess. And that's why Jesus came and died on a cross and shed his blood and pay the penalty so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our sin. We have to remember that if Jesus for you, the story of Jesus just stops with the manger, that is complete danger for you because the cross always follows the manger. The cross always follows the manger. Jesus came on this earth and went to the cross and paid the debt and died for it. He was the only one who could, but he didn't just die for our mess. He didn't just die for our sin. He didn't just die to untangle us. He died and then conquered it and rose from the dead three days later, complete game changer. There's so much evidence of his resurrection. What love. What love that was decorated for the world to see. What love that was displayed for all of us. And this type of love is a love that we're called to produce out of our lives. And it's not just any kind of love. This is a sacrificial, selfless, stretching kind of love. First Peter 4 reminds us of this truth where it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. And in the Greek language, that word love earnestly there has the idea of stretching far, stretching wide, stretching deep, since love covers a multitude of sins. This is a love that looks past the mess. This is a love that we have to not give up on others, no matter what has been said, no matter what has been done. It, it, it looks over it. It looks past the past. It is a love that is stretching. And so one question I have for all of us is who might we need to love in a more of a stretching way? 
Who might we need to love in a more stretching way to not give up, to have the other conversation, even though you felt like you've had the conversation a hundred times, to not give up, to keep loving and stretching no matter what, who might your love need to be stretched out for in your season of your life? This kind of love can only be decorated because he loved us first. Because he stretched, remember, his love stretched so high, so wide, so deep for us. It's just unbelievable what he has done and how he demonstrated that. His love just doesn't cover a multitude of sin. His love covered all of our sin. That when he died, that that blood covered and forgave our sin and forgave our mess once and for all. What a love. And the scriptures tell us that all who call upon the name of the Lord and believe in their heart that they'll be saved. And after you humble yourself and get to the point to realize Jesus is the only one who can untangle you, you can't untangle yourself on your own. You can't have this on your own. You need Jesus who has the power to fix and untangle our mess. But after we have the faith and the belief to receive Jesus, the gift, we not only get him the the gift of, of saving us, but he gives us another gift. It tells us that when we put our faith and trust in him in that moment, that we get the gift of his Holy Spirit that comes and moves inside of us, that literally takes residence in our lives. And now we have the fruit of his spirit producing his ways, his virtues out of us from the inside out. You must receive the Spirit before you can be redecorated by the Spirit. Hear me clearly. You must receive the Spirit of Jesus in your life before you can ever tap in and redecorate your life by the fruit of His Spirit. Now, some of you watching, you have received the gift of the Spirit. You have received Jesus into your life, and you're like, Travis, but I got to be real with you. I still feel like a flat up tangled mess. And if you feel that way, I want you to know you're not alone. I feel like this way all the time. I feel like this way all the time where I'm just like, what the heck? I know I've received Jesus, but man, I, 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 still, I still struggle with self-control in areas that I know I shouldn't be going into. Or I struggle with, with kindness. I mean, not to the people that I love, but to the people that are difficult. You know who you are. Just kidding. But I struggle with that. Or, or, or patience. Patience with God's timing instead of my timing. I mean, I struggle with that all the time. But then what does God remind me of? Travis, you're starting to live by the fruit of Travis instead of stepping back and tapping into the fruit of the Spirit. Because remember this, believer, once you've received the Spirit of Jesus, nothing can take that away from you. But what we often have to be is reminded of that Spirit to not just let it be do, 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 action, 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 but no, no, no. Allow Him to transform the attitude inside of you so that He can produce that fruit in you. Be reminded, tap in. You have that inside of you, you have access to this. Last thought. In the video that we watched of the song Redecorate, we saw the three characters and there was a subtle symbol if you picked up on it. But the subtle symbol of this hat, of them putting on a red hat was, wasn't necessarily, it was subtle, but it had big meaning. 
Because as they struggled in the mess, as they, as they were deep into the entanglement of their mess, then they had this hope. They had a glimpse of hope. There was a shift in each of the characters. And when they put on the hat, it was a symbol of covering that they had been redecorated by red. What do we mean? Redecorated by red, redecorated by the blood of Jesus, redecorated by his love. And it was because they got to the humbling point to redecorate with red by the love of Jesus that they could actually have hope and begin to shift because they couldn't untangle all by themselves. It was the power of Jesus that began to untangle uh, their depression, their loss, their pain. And then they now were able to exercise and have this be their backing, be their power. And so my question for you is, have you been redecorated by red? Have you been redecorated by the blood of Jesus? Have you been redecorated by his love that stretched out so much that he was willing to die and shed his blood for you to forgive you of your sin? I mean, aren't you tired of trying to fix yourself? Like seriously, aren't you, try, aren't you tired? Aren't you exhausted trying to figure this out all on your own in your life? There's a better way. And that's by receiving the gift and being redecorated by the love of Jesus and let that cover your life. Because if you stay here, you're gonna stay frustrated and exhausted, but it just doesn't stop here on this earth. One day you're gonna leave this earth and this exhaustion and frustrating and pain and suffering is gonna continue. Or you receive Jesus. You be redecorated by love. You let him renew you. You let him restart you. You let him refresh you. And now you'll have an earthly fulfillment like no other, but even more importantly, you'll have an eternal fulfillment like no other. Have you been redecorated by red? If you haven't, and you're exhausted with the tangled up mess of the world, then I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And so wherever you're watching, I just wanna invite you to just close your eyes and bow your head and just be real between you and God and just say, Father, I wanna be redecorated by love. Just say that, I wanna be redecorated by love. I wanna be redecorated by you, Jesus. I am tired and frustrated and exhausted trying to untangle it on my own. And then just say, so I confess my sin I confess my mess to you and I believe that you, Jesus, are the only one who can untangle me. Just tell him that. I believe you, Jesus, are the only one who can untangle me. And then just thank him. Thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. And then just say right now, I receive your spirit into my life. I receive you, Jesus, the spirit of you, Jesus, into my life. As we continue to pray, my friend, if you truly meant that, through your belief, <laughs> you will no longer deal with an eternity of frustration, of entangled mess. But now you will live forever with the joy of the fruit of the spirit being produced in your life. Father, thank you for stretching out your love so high 
so wide and so deep for us. What love that has been decorated for us to grab onto. Thank you for the gift of being redecorated by red, by your love. We love you. We pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have been redecorated by the love of Jesus, I want to beg you to not walk alone and to let someone know, let a friend know, let someone you're watching with know, uh, text a friend, text a parent, let someone know, text us, let us know. We wanna help. Our vision at Mile City is helping a bunch of imperfect, tangled up, messed up people moving towards God. And so we wanna celebrate with you and help you make that next move towards God.